I think we say yo. Yo. That's a, it's a Canadian Day term. Cana- yeah. Can- Canada Day. Oh term. yes, Happy Canada Day. Uh, thank you, thank you. Oh Canada. Oh Canada. Canada. Yeah, it's oh we- Canada. Oh Canada. It's a weird <laughs> today's. A, it's a weird Canada Day, or not? Maybe not a weird Canada, but it's. I, I don't know if you've seen the. Um, any of the Canadian discourse on the uh, on the internet about about Canada Day and a Day of Reflection? We've get, there's like oh yeah yeah I did see I did yeah. see one thing because apparently you know it's it's not just people in the U S that are bad. No, we got we got <laughs> like things. a history of bad Canadians and this, uh, residential schools, which uh, I'll, yeah. I'll yeah I'll, I'll summarize it because it's it's terrible. Uh, essentially, it was. Uh, a um, oh state-sponsored way of taking uh, Aboriginal people in Canada and and placing them into homes to educate them on how to be real people. Um, and Oof. yeah, yeah, uh, and um, and it and it turns out um, if that wasn't bad enough, uh, you know, uh, in between a hundred and and you know even as as um, soon recent uh, as 20 years ago 100 years to 20 years ago there's all these like unmarked graves of of children that that were in those uh, residential schools and it, and it seems like every day we're we're uncovering um, more so it's it, yeah it's it, it's a bit it's a bit of a somber um, Canada day and and I yeah. yeah and I'm and I'm 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 in on the on the day of reflection not not celebrating our fantastic heritage today I think it's uh, yeah you know, it's bad. it's not not great not great stuff yeah the the, the Guardian headline nails it it's uh, the this Canada Day let's remember this country was built on genocide yeah yeah no it's that's pretty much pretty much it. And and we're you know like rock and roll is a much better thing to build a country on. It's re- I think you're thinking of building a city on rock and roll <laughs> or a city. Uh, a city. We get countries we could, too. Yeah, build the city on rock and roll. And I mean, cities are uh, countries are built on cities uh, and and other uh, and other communities. So rock and roll is foundational to a country. Yes, yeah, I, I'm there. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, uh, it, it's one of it, it's. It's not. It's not a. Uh, it's not a good situation, and there there really hasn't been um, a lot of uh, recognition. I mean, it's like it, we, we're experiencing this in the U.S. too, right? Like the. Well, but, the but I mean, I heard the, this. I heard this story, like this this the, about these events, like just this year. Like this is a brand brand new thing to me, right? Right. But obviously, it's been going on for a super long time, uh, you know, and yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. There's um, so just keeping it, uh, you know, keeping it a hundred here on uh, Canada Day. We can't we can't talk about Canada Day without talking about the tragically hip. And um, oh, I thought you were going to talk about Starship, uh, which <laughs> that used to be Jefferson Starship, that used to be Jefferson Airplane, uh, who uh, built the city on rock and roll. That's when, correct. When they became Starship, this is this is all correct. Um, but. So, so my our our uh, friend friend of the show, Gord Downey, uh, rest in peace. Um, <laughs> Which one is it? Well, there's so many Gords. We've been through this before. <laughs> yeah, he's the tragically hip Gord. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He. Um, Gordy Howe's the hockey guy, right? Gordy Howe's the hockey guy, and, and the and the citation beer guy is uh, Gord, Gord Surgeoner. Yeah. All oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
so so Gord Gord Downey, one of the one of the famous uh, Canadian Gords, um, he he passed away in I think it was 2017, 2000 and uh, maybe 2018. Um, anyway, he. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm sure I will be able to find this in the in the internet. He, it, what I want to talk about is he he uh, created a book of poems and and a and um a uh, companion album called The Secret Path, which is inspired by um a, a, a residential schools and the sort of plight mm-hmm. of Aboriginal people and First Nations in in Canada. And one of the things that he talks about, I'll, we'll link to a couple things. One is just a fabulous um, uh, Netflix documentary called Long Times Running, which takes its name from a uh, um, tragically hip song. Um, but confused it, with Long May You Run, which yes, is, I think, a Neil Young which song. Which is a Neil Young song, exactly, yeah. Um, so in, in that, you know, in, in that documentary no sorry long time running did i call it something different it's anyway. long time running yeah that's what it, that's what it is it's on it's on netflix um it uh it, it, you know gord and all of the interviews that he did he had he had uh, brain cancer and and all of mm-hmm. the interviews that he did over the last year or so of it uh before he um before he died he, he talked about his you know he the Tragically Hip are all about telling Canadian stories, and um, he he felt in the last five or, or ten years of his life that the most important untold Canadian story was about um, residential schools and and Whoa. yeah, and so so he you know uh, sort of um, dedicated his his final years to to always talking about the importance of um, you know First Nations people in in Canada, and and that really for me raised. The profile, like, like I it was certainly mm-hmm. we had talked, like, not, I, I, I wouldn't, I don't even know if we talked about it in in school growing up, but there, there was an mm-hmm. awareness that residential schools existed, and it sounded like this, um, I don't know, like kind of made up thing, right? Like people would be taken from their from their homes and placed in these schools, and and um, I, I don't know if the right term is like repatriated or patriated maybe into into canadian culture i mean that was that was this idea and it it as a as a kid when i when i heard about this i it like it it didn't seem real right like and then Mm -hmm. you just didn't think about it for for a long time and then uh yeah so so gord downey kind of brought it back to the to the national um conversation and uh but but it's i mean the, the the those those wounds have been um uh, exposed uh, over the last uh, few few weeks as as more of these unmarked graves around residential schools and it's like it's insane sorry to start things off on such a a, a down conversation but i mean it's it's hundreds of uh, of children um are in these yeah as i, as I was reading graves. the stories i just i couldn't believe it yeah like, it's like how is this how, yeah how is this even a thing yeah yeah it's yeah. It, it's it's shocking and shocking yeah, yeah. And and sad and 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 it 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 makes me makes you know makes me angry to to think about it and and that it it was I mean I think the the worst part of this whole thing was that the, it it was a system that was created by the government like it it wasn't you know and and um or or at least 
um, created in partnership with the government and, and, um, and the Catholic church, uh, to, to, Mm -hmm. to, to really set this whole thing up. And then it just kind of existed for a number of years, 80 years or something. Um, and so there's, there's people that, um, that are not too much older than me that are, you know, in uh, contemporaries of, of, uh, of you that would have gone through the residential school system. And, and so it's like, it also seems like, man, this is something that happened a hundred years ago, but it, it didn't, it happened. No, more that, recently. Yeah. That was the other thing that was really shocking is that it, it is so recent. Yeah. So it's, um, anyway, it's been interesting. Um, and, uh, and, and somewhat emotional to follow the story, but anyway, that's why like Canada day, I'm, I, I'm very much like, you know, we, we, well, the, the pandemic is also sort of changed how we would handle Canada Day in the past. And we've, we've done, um, uh, we, we've had parties here at our house where, um, we would celebrate it on Canada Day if it was the right, you know, day where we'd have people over and we'd do Canadian things like drink Labatt's Blue <laughs> and, um, and, and eat poutine, uh, and, and name our favorite gourds. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so we, 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 we won't be doing that. Um, we won't be doing that this year, but I, but I think we'll, um, I think my, my plan tonight with, with, with my kids is actually to, to watch the secret garden. It's a, it's a, um, sort of, uh, animated, uh, story that was, uh, that was on CBC. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do some, uh, well, we might watch Long Time Running too because they, they they haven't seen the whole the whole thing. So so anyway, we're we're not we're not celebrating Canada Day in the way that we would have in the past, uh, and and we're gonna think about how terrible <laughs> some of this stuff is, has uh, has happened and why it's not always uh, rosy and gray as a Canadian. So so there. Wow. Yeah yeah. Um, well, you know, so we also have a little bit of a, a holiday coming up. <laughs> Here we do in the United States, where we both live, um, which is apparently a very big deal um, in the town where I live. Um, And I think I sent something to you and our our, my other Canadian friends in our super secret uh, text channel where you could vote for the most patriotic house. Did you you vote yet, Ben? No. Are you in the running? Is it what? I'm not in the running. I'm just interested in getting as many people that don't live in Milltown to vote. <laughs> I'm now <laughs> looking. This whole thing, I'll probably get, I'll pro- somebody in Milltown is probably listening to this and I'll probably be asked to leave town in shame. But it, it's a little, as I, I, we talked about this before on the podcast, this is, this town, it's very, our neighbors are very nice. Everything, everyone seems very nice, like to the point of, like almost like Stepford Wives, nice. Ah, ah. <laughs> so, anyway, it's a it's a little weird, but it's I mean it's it's fine. Um, but apparently, yeah, we're gonna have a somebody's gonna have the most patriotic house in Milltown, and it's not gonna be me, um, because because we don't have any patriotic stuff in our around our house. Um, but boy, there are some. Anyway, we'll we'll link to the the photos. Uh, hopefully they'll they'll still be up by the time this posts, but. It'll be too late to vote, probably by the time this posts. Oh, well, but, I've just um, voted. Unless you're <laughs> good. Yeah, I've voted. In fact, I've voted. I've now voted three times. Um, <laughs> I have. What I, I I'm very very happy that there's not a uh, IP tracker, um, or maybe there is, but it it seems the um, 
not sure, uh, not sure what what website. Uh, well, it was made in SurveyMaker. Um, so I've yeah, I've now voted, uh, and and I'll I'll put my vote out there, Don. I uh, uh, House Number Ten got got my vote. I didn't know that it was House Number Ten until I clicked on the vote. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but it's it's a lovely. I I would say it's a. Um, a, I don't know if it's a craftsman style home. It's blue, um, and in fact, that's what what drove me to to vote. I, I just thought, wow, they're oh, they're so yeah. patri- so patriotic that they they painted their house um, blue and with white well, trim. Well, it's kind and of a, a red- North Carolina blue. It is it's not an American blue. I can't tell if it's a red door or if it's an orange door, but I mean, I it's close. No, it's it's certainly something. <laughs> it's I don't know if you've noticed that in. Um, uh, 10, uh, three, um, I think, and, uh, 12, um, there's also a, a thumb or, or a finger that, that appears in those pictures in the top right corner. So oh, that's, wait. Yeah. um, uh, let me see. I, uh, oh yes, there is. Yeah. Oh, nice. Very nice. I thought it was. Oh, so there must be the same, the same f- f- fumble fingered person that took all these photos. <laughs> so I do, I do have to share to share in like, don't, don't be creepy. No. Um, don't, don't like OPSEC me, but, but house number one and house number two are on my street. Oh, well, there you go. So I'm sorry. I didn't get right to your neighbors. Uh, Oh no, that's okay. Uh, I'm I'm going to try to vote for the the least garish looking house, um, <laughs> it, which is not number one or number three. No, no. Um, I I like it's, and well, and also I think the the real risk to you here is that mm-hmm. one or three wins, and and then you then there are lineups. Of, oh, sorry, one or two. Oh, one so or two. One sorry, not one. Yeah, one or no, I I misspoke. One or one or two wins. And then there are lineups in your in your neighborhood of of uh, you know revelers uh, of, of well, people that want to so, see it. So, so here's the thing: um, don't be creepy. But speaking of revelers, um, the and if we talk, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, and, and I mentioned this to several people because it's it's very interesting to me. Um, the the Fourth of July parade, the Independence Day parade. Um, goes right past my house, oh my and it, it ends. It ends just uh, like on the at the when you get to the end of the block where my house is. That's the end of the parade. So, oh no, we get to see all the people in the parade at the very end of the parade as they're marching up a hill. Um, and so I imagine they're going to look rather uh, bedraggled. I I actually won't see them because I my my son, the one who lives in Denver, is coming east for a visit. Um, although he's not coming quite far enough east to be at my house, <laughs> so I've got to <laughs> drive west to go visit him for lunch um, on that day. So um, well, I, uh, I I won't actually be here to witness this extravaganza this year. Well, I'm a little, I'm I'm a little. Then this is this would be your first. You were you had not moved uh, for last Fourth right. of July. This was this will be my first Fourth Fourth in Fourth of July meltdown. Now I will be back home in time for the fireworks, which are which are launched not far from my house, and apparently my uh, my house is a very good place to see the fireworks. So that will be nice, I guess. Oh yeah. How are your dogs in the fireworks situation? Are they? Does they, it bother them? They get nervous, especially Bianca gets nervous. Um, uh, she doesn't, and, we, and how I know this is that she gets nervous during thunderstorms, and she also gets nervous when people light off fireworks that are not part of the big fireworks celebration. Now, 
it, in place where we used to live in Freehold, the fireworks were like just down the street from us. Um, but but I think they're going to be closer where we live in where we are in Milltown. Um, and I don't. I mean, obviously, it wasn't like hugely traumatic. The, the uh, you know the thing the thing that mostly there's two things that bothers Gibbs. One, wind. He does not seem to like wind. Really. And he does not seem to like the door in the house across the street from our old house that used to slam. It was a screen door that didn't latch properly. Huh. And and that door would slam, which in and of itself was not a problem. But he conditioned because there was a pit bull that lived in that house. Often when that door slammed, there would be a pit bull coming out the door. Uh-huh. And so he just associated Pavlovia, pa- Pavlovian-like um, literally, uh, not salivating, but 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 uh, you know, with dogs and and conditioning. Every time that <laughs> slam happened, yeah, he, yeah, sounds. Every time that slam happened, yeah, like a bell, like ringing a bell. Um, uh, every time that door slammed, um, he knew there was a pit bull there, and he wanted to go kill that dog. So yeah. Whoa, that's oh, well. So so Stanley is indifferent to most things. Like he's, which is a good. It's a good way for a dog to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, most things. He, he's very excited. That when, would probably benefit most people if they were just indifferent to most things. Yeah, yeah. He gets very he gets excited when someone comes to the door. Um, and oh and, yes, ours too. And very like you know, someone's here. Someone's here to pet me is what I mm. think is going through his mind. Well, that's nice. Yeah, he uh, he does not want to attack them. Um, he he wants them to he wants to lay on his back and they'll just scratch his belly. Um, and then he gets very excited when I come home because I have conditioned him. Um, very poorly that every time I re-enter the home, I will give him a treat, uh, which which is like is probably not great. But Don, he loves me so much because of it, and he is so excited when I come home. Well, and here's the thing, Ben. Now he's been conditioned. You don't have to give him a treat every time, and it won't matter. Well, he so will still treat you as if you are going to potentially give him a treat. He he will, but so so we. I have tried not to give him one. He now has the upper hand in this relationship. <laughs> so, yeah, he is conditioned. Me. You have that with a yeah. dog. It's not good, Ben. No. He, you are you are literally in charge. I, well, you have thumbs. Well, well. So so he will just um, go to the place where the treats are, and will <laughs> if you don't give him one, he will howl and bay mm-hmm. until one has is provided to him, or he will give up, but he will lay there and whine for thirty to forty five minutes. Wow. Um, so, so it's uh, now it's it's just easier to to give them, but but I, it's it, it actually does not pain me at all. I I still love it because I want him to get the reward. Not only am I home, but I will provide he's a good him. Good boy. Yeah, he's, he's a good he's, boy, man, and he deserves a treat. He does. He does. Um, it drives Danny nuts uh, because <laughs> she was not consulted on this conditioning uh, and. Oh. Um, and, and now he sometimes gets and surprisingly, she's upset by it now. Yeah. She's, she's, he sometimes, I think maybe gets confused and thinks, Oh, it's anybody who comes home will give me a treat. And she, she is not bought into that. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So, so anyway, we have, we've, we've got that, uh, that situation with my, with Stanley, but yeah, for fireworks, uh, he doesn't, doesn't bother him. Uh, I did, uh, no, you know, no OPSEC. I, I did say that I'm going on a, on a, tr- a brief trip, uh, tomorrow, uh, to, uh, to, to purchase fireworks for a, um, a, an extravaganza that happens on our street. One of, one of my neighbors and, and our close friend, 
his birthday is on July 4th. So he he is fully into um, I, I wouldn't say he's like fully into like the the uh, Patriot celebrations. He's fooling into this is my birthday celebration, and I'm so glad that everyone has uh, a vacation day, and we we will have fireworks and and it's yeah it, it, it's a fun it's a fun time. So um, so I'll, I'll be uh, he and I and uh, we'll we'll be uh, going to to find some fireworks tomorrow. Um, is it his actual birthday? Yeah, it's his actual birthday. Yeah. Oh, that's, see, now that's a weird coincidence because I think July 4th is also the exact birthday of my son's friend, Max. And they are going to go. The reason why uh, – so originally the plan was I was going to have lunch uh, with my son uh, west of here um, on the 4th. But it turns out Max wants to have a birthday party and go tubing. So uh, Max uh, takes priority. So Well, of course. Um, yeah. Right, because your friend's not named Max. No, no, it's not. Um, My friend's name is Andy. Yeah, (laughs) it would be weird or coincidental. Um, So, yeah, so so, but oh, before we leave the uh, revelers and and onlookers, um, I sent you a link that I'd like you to to open. Um, There is a video which I'd like you to play, but not with the sound on. Um, And this is uh, uh, Abby Lane in North Raleigh is home to some of the best Christmas lights in the Triangle. Um, so okay. we, we also I've got, have, I've got, I've got two questions already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, is it named for the Beatles and why are you telling me about Christmas in July? Well, so good. So I, <laughs> the first, the answer to your first question is, I think so. Um, we, we live in a, uh, well, and I, I will give you some ops. We live in an, in a neighborhood called Stonehenge. And oh man, are there giant stones? They're not, but we have like Druids Lane, which is not. Oh my somewhere, gosh! Yeah, not somewhere where I where I live. Uh, but there are, um, you know, nominally uh, uh, names of streets that uh, that are uh, named oh, after British landmarks. Yeah. Oh, and that could be Abbey Lane. All right, yes. that makes sense. Wow. I think okay. that's what's happened. Um, here. All right. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, so that's. Um, so in, in Stonehenge on Abbey Lane, um, and so, yeah, we have like Salisbury Plain and Calais and then other places like, you know, I don't know, like Sleepy Creek Drive, which I don't think is really, Uh, that's not, yeah. Um, so on Abbey Lane, um, there is uh, a, a house that was on the great Christmas light showdown. Um, and every year it's, it's nice to live. So as we were looking for a house, we knew we wanted to live in this neighborhood. We also knew we wanted to live as far away from this house in this neighborhood (laughs) as possible. (laughs) And so, yeah, because we would travel to, uh, to this neighborhood when we didn't live here to see this house, uh, on, uh, you know, with, with our kids during the, the Christmas, the Christmas holidays or Christmas, you know, season, the, the holiday season. And, um, and, and we thought, oh, we have inside knowledge, right? We don't want to buy a house there and, and just realize that's beside or three doors down from, from this house, because it is a, a traffic nightmare, uh, for, most evenings from about the, I don't know, 15th of December through New Year's, New Year's day. Um, and so it's great to have it close by. It's also great to not be too close. Um, but the Christmas in July reference, uh, there is something they, they were, as they were, 
um, competing on the great Christmas light showdown. Um, they, they invited, um, anybody in the neighborhood because they needed a crowd there, but they were filming this in the early fall. And so, so they had to set up all of their Christmas lights. I think it was like September and we were, we, you know, it's September in North Carolina and it's hot. People are wearing shorts, but now oh, we're, yeah. we're all like, you know, pretending to, to sing uh, Christmas carols. Well, not, I mean, we, we were, we were actually singing Christmas carols. We were actually carols. singing yeah, Christmas carols. You were pretending it was Christmas. Yes. Time. Yeah. But the, I, I think my favorite part of that story is if, if you watch the episode as we did, mm-hmm. um, um, Sam, my youngest son continued to try and he, at this point, <laughs> You know he's he's a he's he's ten now and he um, mm-hmm. he's a he's a performer. He likes to be in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. He loves you know. All of a sudden, there's camera crews here. There's a big event <laughs> happening. He's like, I would like to be part of this. And so he, unbeknownst to us, because this is a crowd of I don't know maybe two or three hundred people, he made his way to the front of this <laughs> and was like nominally part of the family he's the like you know the the guy's house and here are my grandkids and here's my cousin and then here's here's some random kid here's some random kid who's all standing at the front uh of this so so there's that that all happened during the during the uh, taping of this of the show and and there are a couple of cutaways um of in the actual uh airing of the show that has that has sam standing right up front with with all of the kids uh, that that are part of that family, and he is not one of them. Um, so yeah, so so anyway, we 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 I would count myself as one of the revelers uh, in in that situation. So I'm I'm nice. I, you know I, I guess I'm contributing to the problem of of this, uh, but also I live far enough away that it's, it doesn't become my problem. <laughs> well, just, just so just to one more quick non food safety related thing. Since you mentioned Christmas, <clears throat> for reasons that are not completely clear, other than that we were out of other things to watch. Last night, um, we watched um, a uh, British comedy television film, apparently, according to Wikipedia, called Click and Collect, which stars Asim Chowdhury and Stephen Merchant. Now, you might know Asim Chowdhury from um, that show we both like. Um, uh, uh, He's on on two of the things. Okay, yeah. He's he's on uh, Would I Lie to You? Uh, is that okay? A, yeah, and then he's also, yes, that's a thing. And yeah, then he's on the, the other one with the tall fellow. Yeah, yeah, the the master master tasker, <laughs> taskmaster. Yes, taskmaster. Taskmaster. Yeah, right. Ma- but anyway, um, <clears throat> so this is a delightful. And Stephen um, Merchant's very tall. Speaking and of which, Stephen Merchant is also very tall and um, hilarious. I like and him. hilarious. Um, and so it's very. It's I won't spoil it. Except to say, if you like awkward British humor um, and Stephen Merchant just being very miserable and uncomfortable, um, uh, and Asim Chowdhury just being just a delightful, fun-loving fellow, um, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's a yeah, it's 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 worth 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 watching. So is it, check it out. where where can I find this? Is this on Amazon? Click click and collect. Uh, you can find it on Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> you can find the entry <laughs> Wikipedia. Um, I forget which which of the British services we watched it on. I'm, I w- this is this is in my this is in my, my wheelhouse. It's a Brit- British comedy television film that's 53 minutes long. The the Brits don't mess yeah. around. They yeah. I 
you know, again, I think uh, as I've edited show notes for the last three or four shows, we, we, <laughs> I, I feel this is a common theme. Also, as I've edited show notes for a um, hundred shows, uh, I think we've mentioned this uh, multiple times that we really like uh, how things and I had to be very uh, careful. I don't know if you noticed this in the last episode show notes. Um, I didn't just call this Brit British TV. Um, I also had to highlight oh. that it was Irish as well, because I think that yeah. I think if I was from Ireland and I was uh, some, you know, uh, 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 I'll use some some a couple of wankers uh, uh, called me, uh, you know, called my television uh, British television. I think I'd be upset. And that's us. You, well, you like if, if, if somebody was talking about um, Canadian television and they refer to it as American oh, television, oh. I guess technically it's correct. It's oh. North American television. Yes. Yeah, it would be. That would be that would be terrible. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I uh, I'll check this out. Uh, click and collect. Um, and I'll, I'll try and find it on yeah, it was fun. Yeah. On my, my favorite uh, streaming, um, things, uh, we, um, I started watching mythic quest. Have you, have you seen any of this? We've heard about no. it on, on some of our favorite podcasts. Um, so I know, I know Merlin and Alex have, have talked about it on, on Dubai Friday. Yeah. So they, okay. they made, Oh, like they've mentioned it. They made a reference to it, but I didn't know like, okay. and then they talk about the characters, but I didn't always know what the show was. And now I've, I've started mm. watching I'm, okay. I'm like five episodes in. So it's, it's an Apple TV, Apple. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Show Apple TV show that I watch on my Apple TV. Um, and it is, it's about, a, like the behind the scenes, of making a video game. It's a comedy. Uh, and, and it's, it's, it's nice. It's fun. It, there, there are some, some not nice people on the show and it makes it fun. It's not like Ted Lasso. Great, but I've, I've enjoyed Mm -hmm. it. Danny has not. She, yeah. Um, so I've been watching it on my own and her and Jack have been watching manifest, which isn't a show about a plane that went down. Um, and, and there's like magic things happen and it's not lost, which is a different show. <laughs> I was going to say, I think you're talking about lost. I, I, you know, I thought I was talking about lost too. Uh, so we will. Yes. So, but, but yeah, mythic, mythic quest has been, it's been good. I've, I've enjoyed it. It's fun. It's, it's fun. It's light. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I'm, I mean, Ted Lasso is coming, coming back in, in three weeks. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. Cause it, I, I really, really enjoyed Ted Lasso. So, so in keeping with the genre of neighborhoods and learning things, we recently got a ring doorbell oh. and, and now we get, I, I, I'm sure I could turn them off, but they're, they're vaguely amusing. Um, I just want to let you know, Ben, uh, one minute ago, 4.3 miles from my house, a coyote was sighted running through the Arbor Apartments off Franklin Boulevard near the school. Watch your small animals. So very important update from Ring. There are apparently coyotes in the area. Oh, man. Well, that's that's very that's that's crowdsourcing at its best right there. Um, well, all right. So I, I got one more for you that I think I think might take take the we should case. get to the real content. No, soon, though, I this is the real content. Um, it, Here's the thing, Ben. It's like it's like we do the after show first. Yeah. People come for this and and stay uh, for uh, for the other stuff that we do, which is called food safety talk. Um, hey, I'm wearing my T-shirt today. Oh, by the way, are, you know what? I'm wearing my T-shirt today. By the way, oh. what is, is yours red? Or did you get a it black is. one? I got a red one because that's the color where they're meant that's to the, be. That's the T-shirt color. Yeah, and then other people want black. 
um, which is fine. And we will, it was, it was easy. I, I think it was easy for you to allow black t-shirts. So. It was, it was very easy. I still, I still don't know what to do about the risky or not t-shirts. I think I just need to bug them because that's how it happened that we, that we got this one approved. I think I don't want to rag on the folks from cotton bureau, but yeah. 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 No, I, absolutely. Um, okay. So I just sent you something that, that I think will, uh, complete the trilogy arc of uh, neighborhood sightings. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, so uh, this is about two and a half miles from my home. A highly venomous pent snake has escaped and remains, oh well, remained for about three days, two or three days on the loose in Raleigh. Um, so, uh, police sent an alert at 1.30 a.m. Tuesday warning that a, z- a zebra cobra which is known to spit venom, was spotted on a porch at a, at a home around 5, 10 p.m. Monday. Um, uh, animal control officers responded to the home. The cobra apparently had slithered away. Authorities say the zebra cobra belongs to a resident of the neighborhood. So uh, as of, an, an, um, we're recording this on Thursday, uh, sometime Wednesday afternoon. So I guess it was on the loose from Monday until Wednesday um, that we know of uh, the the. Uh, mm. A venomous uh, viper, no, sorry, cobra, um, uh, spitting cobra was was captured. Um, where, where, what, Don? Would you hazard a guess on whether you would think that this uh, cobra is is native to Raleigh, North Carolina? <laughs> that w- I'm gonna guess. Just go out on a limb here and say that there are no cobras that are native to anywhere in North America. I'm fairly certain that you are correct on that. Uh, I, am not, yeah, I, I'm not a, I'm not a herpetologist. Here's the thing. If you want, if you want native venomous snakes, there are plenty of native venomous snakes. Yes. You could have a pet venomous pet, quote unquote, pet venomous snake that was native. Yes. You know? Yes. So this captured the, the lives of many, um, not, not in a negative <laughs> way. No one died, but man, did, did every, little bit of pop culture reference that I had, whether by a text or in person with anybody over three days was related to this snake on whether it had been found uh, or, or not. Um, and I've learned so much thanks to my local news uh, about North Carolina state laws, about handling venomous snakes. Um, if you, if you're able to have an exotic snake, that that is fully legal. What is illegal, which is the best part of this, Don, I'm going to read directly from uh, from the law here. It is unlawful for any person to own, possess, use, transport, or traffic in any venomous reptile. And I thought that would be the place where this ends, right? That would be great. Mm-hmm. No, that is not housed in a sturdy and secure enclosure. So having oh. the snake, that's not illegal. Having the snake in a place where it can escape, now you've broken the law. Uh, so if it's in an enclosure that's unsturdy mm-hmm. or that is Unsecure. unclosed, unsecured, then you're in violation of the law. Correct. How about, right. if would you say that having the snake and the fact that it is now on your neighbor's porch... I would say that that means that either the structure was not sturdy or it was not secured or possibly both. I would agree. I feel like someone here is in violation of a law. Um, and Yes, by mere fact that the snake was – well, now, I guess you could say, no, it was in an enclosure and then I took it out 
and then I tripped and I fell and it flew out my hands, and, right? And maybe someone would argue, and again, we're not lawyers, but we have interacted with many a lawyer. Maybe someone would argue that no longer do I own, possess, use, transport, or traffic this snake now that it is on my neighbor's porch. Now my neighbor is is the one who is in violation of the law <laughs> because you now have it's you know uh, what, what what's the saying uh, possessions nine tenths of the law. There it is. It's you're, I don't know if that's true with venomous snakes. <laughs> it's your you, my old snake now yours is on your porch that you are possessing. You really should um, get put that into a sturdy and secure enclosure before the police show up. But see, I think that that could lead to all sorts of problems because you could get a whole bunch of venomous snakes and you could run around throwing them on people's porches. And then a lot of people would have to be arrested. And really, honestly, it's you, the snake thrower, who is causing the problem. Look, I I I think you've highlighted a flaw in. Yeah. In my in my interpretation of the law, I'm not going to argue with that at all. Um, and, And I'm also not. I'm not sure that that's not what we're seeing here is maybe that's what what this uh, what this individual uh, did and had. Anyway, and, um, although uh, also because of uh, great local news, um, the investigative reporting uh, showed that this the person who the, who who owns like did own or possess this snake also has many other things, including alligators um, and just in their neighbor. In well, my, honestly, Ben, yeah. if, you, if you if if I had asked you before you read that. Do you think this is a one-off, or does this person have more animals like this in your in their house? I mean, I would have guessed more animals yeah. like this. Yes, more animals <laughs> like this, and posting videos on uh, TikTok and, and Instagram about uh, about it. Also, and again, just to fully complete this this story, um, I, I will share with you um, another um, uh, you know piece of information that that's going to really sort of clarify things around this story. Um, owner of missing zebra cobra previously bitten by a green mamba snake. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. yeah not a it, surprise. No, not no. a surprise. In March, he took himself straight to UNC rest hops uh, hospital after being bitten. He needed anti uh, venom, I think uh, treatment, mm-hmm. but the closest spot was 250 miles away at the riverbank zoo in Columbia. So that's where he went. Uh, or they quickly packed a cooler with 10 vials of the anti-venom on ice and drove it to the Lexington Medical Center. Uh, and then it was flown to Rex uh, Hospital. So, yes, this uh, we got. Yeah, a lot of lot of lot of lot of stuff. Lot of, lot of, snake, let's call him snake. Snake dad. Is that right? Snake guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Z- zebra snake guy. But actually, and, um, uh, so uh, I have a lot of. Um, T-shirts. You you've seen some of my my T-shirts that say things like "Keep Raleigh Boring." Um, uh, I have a I, I, one one that I like to wear every year at uh, at IAFP is um, a, a picture of uh, of the state of North Carolina. Um, oh, with barbecue with barbecue tomato vinegar. Yes. So yep. uh, so it's they're they're made by House of Swank. Uh, which is a uh, a t-shirt company here in Raleigh. I've I've seen them at festivals and street things. They have um, this that's available, Don. I'm going to send you this right now, um, and it is a North Raleigh Spitting Cobras uh, t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> because pop culture, and you got to be responsible. Or re- respond. You got to respond. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, you can get a um, you you got a North North Raleigh. Uh, 
um, you know, spitting cobras, but also they, they posted memes. Um, oh, I don't know if this was going to come up, but if you flick through the pictures there, the last one is a meme of, uh, of, I think two terrible people from, I believe it was St. Louis who, uh, last year during, uh, black Lives oh, yes. matter. Yeah. Black lives matter protest. Uh, got out on their, their lawn of their estate with the, I don't know. It looks like a, 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 a gun from a James Bond movie and then a semi-automatic or fully automatic rifle. And that uh, says mm-hmm. uh, North Raleigh right now. Come at me, Cobra. So this, that captures the, uh, the internet uh, oh. discourse of, uh, of, of the North Raleigh spitting Cobras. So, and, and I, I did. So, so my, um, my fantastic spouse, uh, the lovely Danielle um, knew, knew that I would see this t-shirt headed this off and said, don't buy this shirt. First of all, in three months, no one will remember the reference that this shirt is, is referenced to. And, and, and secondly, you have 13 other t-shirts from House of Swank that are all somewhat novelty about other pop culture references that, that we have forgotten. So please don't, don't buy this. So I'm not going to buy this shirt. Um, but, 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 but what I will say to people is uh, please do go buy a Food Safety Talk 2021 t-shirt. Ah. Uh, and I recommend the vintage tri-blend. It's very comfortable. Yes. <laughs> and we don't we, – and I, I have to clarify. I did say we don't make any money. turns out we make a dollar because I was fiddling around with things and so – but we're going to donate all of those uh, many, many dollars of which there are less than 100. <laughs> um, uh, thank you for everyone who bought a t-shirt um, uh, to the IAFP Foundation. Yes, we are. Yeah. Oh, the, and, and these uh, these T-shirts, I, I, I it gets it makes me kind of excited when I see them in the in the wild. And by in the wild, I mean the place that I hang out, which is Twitter. Uh, yes. Yeah. So so yeah. Thanks to everybody, and thanks Don for putting them out there on Cotton Bureau, and um, and maybe oh well, yeah yeah. Maybe. Thanks thanks to Mary for making the uh, artwork. Yes. Thank you, Mary, for for putting it together. Um, so speaking of IFP, let's do a little. Uh, what, what do they call it? A pivot? Is that what they say? Let's let's pivot. Let's let's get some corporate talk. I'm gonna let's pivot. Let's, let's get a line, Don, on on our uh, food safety uh, things, and let's pivot. I, uh, I I I can report again. I I feel like the the listeners are, are not interested in my opsec um, too much, but I can report. <laughs> oh, officially that I have not only the first plane ticket that I have purchased in the last 16 months or 17 months or whatever it is. I also have a hotel reservation. I will be going in person to Phoenix, Arizona, uh, to uh, IAFP. I was going to make a joke about to a, 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 a voting recount party or something, mm-hmm. uh, but I, that, I felt that it was it was lost. So I'll just say that that was the joke I was going to make. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to, and, and for, so I, I've, I have uh, struggled with this, Maybe mm-hmm. I, I have thought I, I I'm not gonna go. Then I've thought maybe I'll, I'm gonna go. Um, I I want to I want to I want to talk through my 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 thoughts here. Oh yeah, I, yeah. So I I am I, I know we, we know many of the people who are in charge of uh, of putting this this meeting on and and I you know being a, a fully vaccinated uh, individual um, and seeing many of the um, protocols that are that are being uh, putting place at least in in name uh, or in words, I I feel that um, you know uh, personally I think that that it's it's going to be a, a you know a, a low risk place for for me to go. Um, and I I know from many of the people that I've been interacting with over the last 
um, you know, year or so on on the internet from and in Zoom meetings from uh, a uh, you know collaborative standpoint. Many many of them have already sort of referenced or told me about their their vaccination status without me asking about it. And and there are a few people that I want to go like see in person and talk about some potential projects and I know that they're going to be there and and I I I know it's going to be different. That's the struggle for me has been I know you're 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 not going to be there. Um and I know two thirds of the people that are normally there are not going to be there. And what makes IAFP so fun for me is the um it's it's summer camp for food safety nerds like it's it's where i get to reconnect with all of my my friends and family and and we 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 hang out and we talk about things that are happening in our personal lives and we talk about things that are happening in our professional lives and, and it's very rewarding and i missed it dearly last year and so i want to i want to recapture some of that um and but i but i'm also like you know, I've been hesitant and I, and I hope when I get there that it is what I expect it to be with, um, you know, that, it, that it doesn't become a, a super spreader event. And I'm, you know, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, NC state baseball in a second, uh, as it relates to COVID. Um, but I, it, it's not, these things are not about just the people that are going. It's, it's the potential to, um, to take the you know uh, SARS-CoV-2 and uh, Delta variants and other variants and and all the all the fun um, viruses back to to our homes and and continue community spread. So I don't I take that very take that very seriously in the in the decision um, to go and and I'll be you know it, the the thing that that I've thought about here and and it's similar to. Um, I think I talked to you on this show last year about going to the pool for the first time last year where I was like, I'm hesitant to do this and I don't want to make a bigger problem um, about, you know, uh, being around other people, but let me check it out. And if I don't like it, the worst thing or the, the worst case scenario, Don, is that I join the entire meeting virtually from my hotel room in Phoenix. Like it's I can still do that. So, so anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to try this. I, I kind of made the, made the decision to, to go and we are, um, I, I, I was allowed to go as well. Our, our travel restrictions, um, were lifted a couple of weeks ago, um, for, for me at NC state. So, so anyway, that's where, that's where I'm at. And I wanted to, I just wanted to share that and get your, get your thoughts on it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it is quite low risk. Um, uh, Rutgers has not lifted, <clears throat> their travel restrictions. It is possible to travel, but basically you need approval all the way up through the level of the provost. And I, so I have two students that are going, uh, one is, is, uh, lives in Spain and she's going from Spain and her travels being paid by IAFP. And so there is no Rutgers university involved. And so there's no problem for her to go. And then the other one is another one of my graduate students who lives in New Jersey and he would be paid Rutgers would pay his travel or I would pay his travel from a Rutgers account. And so therefore, he um, needed to go through this this approval process, yeah. and it was onerous, and we had to justify it. But we could make a case, right? He is an, a student officer in the IAFP Student Association. He has responsibilities that he has to transact at the meeting. It is his final year of his PhD, and so he's nominally looking for a job, right? And so this would be an opportunity for him to do that. And so we could make the justification. We made the successful justification, although it took weeks to clear that he'd be allowed to go. I could I could make a similar justification for me 
but I mean, obviously, how much of a justification could it be if I'm also perfectly comfortable staying here and participating virtually, right? And so for me, it's not, it's, I, as I've said before, I don't, I really like not going places, yeah. right? I really, I really, I like, I like being other places. I really don't particularly like going other places. And so it would be great to see people, but again, it would be one third of the people that I would normally see. And I'm honestly, I'm again, I'm very happy just staying here and doing the routine things that I do and being very productive and getting lots of papers written and getting, you know, editing journals and, and doing webinars and all the, the things that I do that I do, um, I'm just very comfortable doing those things. I've got no problem <clears throat> going on Saturday to go have lunch with my son at a restaurant indoors. I'm, you know, that is not, not, I mean, the biggest logistic problem is going to be getting out of my neighborhood because there's apparently a big party going on, right? Like that's, that's the, that's the logistical challenge is making sure to park my car the night before. So that way if the road gets blocked, I don't, I can't, I can't leave. Right. That's the, that's the challenge. It's not, it's not driving, um, an hour to, to the Pennsylvania, New Jersey border and going, going inside to eat. And so, and I would say too, you know, I would have no problem getting on an airplane. I imagine the masking policies will still be in place. Um, the uncertainty with all of this, as as you pointed out in your comments, is a, I think the real uncertainty is around the the variants and specifically the Delta variant yep. that is that is go, that is spreading very rapidly in a variety of locations, including <clears throat> here in the. New York, New Jersey metropolitan area, and as perhaps as well in in Phoenix, uh, and primarily amongst unvaccinated people. I mean, there there are breakthrough events for people that are vaccinated. It is possible, and even and the Delta variant. It seems like the Delta variant is maybe depending on which vaccine you you have. It is anywhere from slightly to a little bit more than slightly more likely to infect you. Um, I've got I got the Pfizer vaccine, and so I, I think that's highly protective, efficacious against the the variant, as is the Moderna, the J and J one dose, <clears throat> less so. Um, but I'm I'm not real. I mean, again, my concern would be I think as you as you also alluded to, it's not that you're worried about you getting sick; it's about you getting infected and then potentially spreading the Delta variant to folks that you contact, right, who are unvaccinated, which, again, you know, kind of shame on them for not getting vaccinated, right? But, but again, in, in terms of the overall risk of doing it, I'm not do I'm not, I'm not, not going because I'm worried about risk. I'm just not going because I'm just comfortable not going anywhere. And, and honestly, if I can not go and that reduces the risk globally to the population, again, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to do that. Yeah. <clears throat> but I certainly don't begrudge anybody that's going in person and wouldn't, wouldn't presume to, to shame you or criticize you. Cause I, I don't think there's anything wrong with going. Yeah. It's, it, and, and it, it's one of these like decisions for me, like that, that was not, it wasn't like easy. Right. It wasn't like mm -hmm. a, such, I, I really, and, and I, what, you know, part, part of it was, um, you know, I've, I've got, um, with, with the safe plates program at NC state, I've got this, this team of folks that, that are, you know, some full-time staff and, and a couple of students. And, um, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to be like, Hey, we're all going or Hey, no one's, no one's going. Um, I, I kind of took my own personal 
like decision and 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 have shared that with a couple of folks that that said hey i wouldn't mind going or what are we thinking about this and saying you know like i i i'm i'm struggling with this and you know you know finally when i when i kind of made the decision i was like i think i'm gonna go but but my decision shouldn't be should not impact yours like don't feel any pressure that because i'm going this is like an important thing for you to do it's not it's there there's a another way to participate in this in this meeting that is equally uh as 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 effective and and i i i was um you know so that that was all like that was all part of this as as well for for me and i think your your experience with your student is exactly it it's you know the all of these i mean that's that's why we do this podcast is talking about the complexity of you know risk benefit trade-offs in whether mm-hmm. it's in food safety or if it's traveling to a meeting and this is one where the, your your student has a has a a benefit of um you know what you know, trying to find that next you know step in a in a career path that is maybe more successful to do that in in person at this at this meeting and and the and the risk is is relatively low um from a from a personal yeah standpoint. he's he's fully vaccinated yeah. he's young he's healthy right no yeah. no risk factors right yeah so it's so I think that that's you know it, I don't I I I I just think it's it's important for us as a whole to talk about how these are hard conversations and it's, and we're only going to have like more of them. Like I'm, I'm kind of um, dreading the conflict of, um, you know, we, I, I may have, I think I mentioned to you in text, but I don't know if we talked about it, but, but my university um, it, uh, as of July 6th, uh, the, the, the message from, from our, our chancellor and, and all of our administration is, you know, um, everyone should, should make their way back to campus. Um, at, at, like we were in February, uh, or early March of, of 2020. And, and, and certainly that's a, like, a, it's, it's, it's an oversimplification, but, but there's a lot of uncertainty of what that means and who might be, um, comfortable. We, we, we have lots of, um, issues about, uh, you know, uh, vaccine hesitancy and, and who, who's vaccinated, who isn't, you know, even down to like having conversations as a, at, at a faculty meeting about like, what if one of our staff is, does, you know, they, they, they're required to be there. Um, it's a, it's an on, on campus full-time position, but they're also very hesitant of having people um, walking into their office, is it okay for them to put up a sign that says, don't, don't walk into my office. Or if you're going to walk into my office, please, you know, these, and these aren't big offices, right? Like please stay in the doorway because that's six feet away and, and please mm-hmm. wear, please wear a mask. <clears throat> and what, what kind of conflict are we expecting to arise from that? Right? Like, like it's such mm. a, so, so, so I'm, you know, that all that kind of stuff is, 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 is happening. And I guess as I thought about this, you know, my, my, my decision to go, it was like, yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm struggling with this or I'm, I find this difficult. There's, there's gotta be hundreds, if not thousands of other people in our NC state community. They're also struggling with this and it's going to take some time. Like we, we, the, the best message I think from administration was we all need to be flexible. Like, like we all, it, we, we have to respect it, what we, we have to put ourselves in someone else's um, perspective and think what might they be uncomfortable about and we can't impact that. And even though we might not be 
Um, we might be fully comfortable with it. We, we don't know what others are, are feeling and, and magnify that by the thousands of people that are on our campus. So I, yeah, I, I think July and August and, and as we get into the, the start of the school year, I think it's going to be really, um, you know, really different. Are you, has, has Rutgers going to be on campus in the fall? Is that, has that been decided? I can't remember that what we a, talked about. Yeah, that is a that is a good question. We made plans to do everything online. I think all of those online components um, are going to continue. Um, but I think we also are mandating that all undergrads be vaccinated. I, yeah, I mean, I'll have to I'll check the I'll check the latest the latest website and and find out the information. My sense right now is that we are going to be no one is being forced to come back if they don't want to, right? So we're making an online accommodations for anyone who wants it. Um, but um, but but I think a lot of the students are going to come back. Um, but the requirement is if you're coming back, you have to be vaccinated and you have to show proof of vaccination. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we um, we we don't we we don't have the ability. It it seems like to require vaccination um, because it's it uh, it's not in our state mandate like we it's it, it, it yeah. feels like the unc system cannot just unilaterally say you, you must be vaccinated like it, it actually has to go because we have like a, a you know like like kind of like what, what we've talked about with the difference between home rules and in mm. new jersey and, and us we we have like a it, it it sounds like for something like that to happen, it has to go through our, our medical review board and it has to be provide, provided by the state legislature. And, and it's just not like it. There's not enough political will to do that. Like it's not that it couldn't happen in an emergency situation, but it, it's just not it's just not likely to happen. So so the the message is we're 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 not not only can we not require it, we're actually not able to ask about um, yeah. And, and, and that, so, so anyway, that's the, so it, it adds a layer of complication to someone who is very uncomfortable already. Right. Like, like that, that you don't, you don't really know if there was a requirement that at least there's, there's a, um, a sense of, of, um, systemic protection, uh, for, for, for the, you know, the, the community. Um, so that's, that's complicating, um, and I, I sent you a link and before we, we leave this, uh, and then talk, you know, about actual food safety things, um, the, uh, our baseball team, uh, NC state baseball was in the college baseball world series and was forced to forced to withdraw because of a cluster of, uh, COVID and, and there's not a lot of like details on this, but what, what it seems like from reading lots of different reports and is that there were some unvaccinated individuals on the on the baseball team and and so um he, you know the the vaccine hesitancy within athletes seems to be prevalent because of you know the their focus on their on their bodies and and you know lo- lots of perception issues there you know what's not good for being an athlete then covid getting covid-19 damn right yeah so so but but the there, there was like so it, it seems like the head coach also is not a proponent of vaccination. So even though can't require, you know, the, the student athletes to do this, certainly you could create a, a culture of this is something that we, we need to do pr- to protect our once in a lifetime chance to win a national championship. Exactly. And yeah, so it's, so I, I feel, um, 
it, there's been a lot of like online discourse about hate towards the NCAA, which is the governing body um, that, you know, NC State got jobbed. And, and gosh, I'm I'm of the of the very no, mind themselves. Yeah, exactly. Like this is Jesus. You know, it, I mean, that's a, it's idiocy. You knew the risk, right? Like if you're not yeah. going to do this, you know, the rules, you know, if, if you're going to have a and then and, and so oh. you 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 don't have not only do you. When you go and you know when you go to this this um, this tournament, it's it's all in Omaha, Nebraska. You have a way to sequester yourself. Like you don't have to be interacting with people. There were tests that were done when people showed up. You could stay in your room, right? Like the to, so I I don't know. It it bothers me that um, the way that the 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 that the discourse has has played out has been you know NC State got the got the shaft and it's like, no, we, we the, the team did this themselves. And, yeah. and it's, yeah. It, yeah. it's, you get that, yeah. get vaccinated or be super, super careful. Yep. You, yeah. And if, you have, those are your choices, right? And, and you can't, and you can't come like, you can't complain about it. You, you knew what the risks were, right? Like you, you knew that this was a, this a possibility and, and it's, yeah. So anyway, it's, yeah. So, so it's been, it's been a weird place to be around in, you know, as a public health kind of, kind of person and, and having lots of friends who are, you know, adjacent and certainly been following it. And some, you know, it's been interesting talking with some of my friends about this conversation. Some of the people that I thought were going to be very like, I can't believe the NC state or the, the NCAA kicked the end, you know, the baseball team out of this were very much uh, um, on the same page as, as you and I on this. And some of the people who I thought would not be like that are like, I, you know, of course, you know, everyone's out to get us. It's like, no, the, the virus is, is, is out to get everybody. <laughs> like, the virus doesn't really care. Yeah. It's just going to do what the virus is yeah. going to do. And it's going to do it very efficiently. And if we do stupid, things and you know we get infected by the virus i mean it's it's yep. pretty straightforward and, and guess what Don? yeah v- vanderbilt the team that they're uh uh going to play you know i, I don't know if you're you're aware vanderbilt's got a lot of a lot of public health and medical expertise <laughs> yes they do uh, I, uh, do, uh anthony fauci went to vanderbilt um did he i yeah, did not know I, that i only know this because he was uh, photographed wearing a vanderbilt uh baseball shirt um turns out uh vanderbilt uh everybody co- coaching staff students all fully vaccinated um they huh. r- remained in the tournament um uh, so really so you know huh. just yeah not a seems seems like hopefully we've learned a lesson i don't know yeah. doubtful i don't know yeah yeah, so I did. Um, I do have answers to your questions about about Rutgers, and and it's 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 on our website. It's a little hard to find, and it's also written. You can tell. I'm going to read to you from the web page, and you can tell I, why I was a little confused. Okay, so so the so reading from the web page, the first component of our return is to develop and implement plans to bring our faculty and staff back to campus. Units are being asked to share descriptions of their return plans with the provost office by June 30th. Okay, so I'm hoping that my unit, which I think is the School of Environmental and Biological Sciences, has done that. Gotcha. Um, continuing on, our ultimate goal is to be prepared to welcome our students back to campus in mid-August. Units will have the flexibility to determine how best to meet this goal, prioritizing the health and safety of faculty and staff. This summer will provide us with opportunities to reacquaint ourselves with our campus environments, to safely reconnect with faculty and staff, and wherever possible, to welcome our new and returning students to Rutgers. Okay, 
So um, faculty and staff are not required to be vaccinated, but I think we're being encouraged to and students are required. And so, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's 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 going to happen. And I think it's and I think right now we we will be back at least partially in person in the fall. So cool. cool. All right. Well, there you go. And we'll and we'll see how it goes. I mean, like, for example, uh, we have a brand new uh, graduate level class that that I have created uh, called attending seminar, which will be a way to require all of our graduate students to attend departmental seminar. Um, that is the room that seminar is in right now could not accommodate that. And so that's being done virtually, but ultimately the goal is to move seminar back to the room where it used to be and have everybody there in person, but that's not going to happen for the, in the fall. So, and we'll still, we'll still continue to offer online versions of that because we have a lot of students that are, that are part-time or, or physically distant. Um, and we want them to be part of the community, but we don't obviously want them to have to drive for days or hours to, to come to, a one uh, one hour seminar. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you mentioned you mentioned the Delta variant. I think like I think we need to be real cautious about. And so, well, let me let me go let me go back and and, and say something. What and, and this, I'm going to take take our our ability since we own this media uh, source to to talk about this. There's so many times in the past five or six months. Um, as people who in in you know in my department in my university community in my in my family, in my, um, in my neighborhood, in my mm-hmm. social circle have said, I, I never would have thought that we would have been dealing with this virus, you know, so for so long, like I thought this would have all been gone in the first three months or that we would have got through last, you know, the last summer and, and everything would have been fine. And Dawn, I like I, listeners of the show will probably know. I, and I think you're in the same boat as me. I never thought that. I never, I never once thought that this would be something that would go. I still don't think. I still am very cautious about the this fall and and the seasonality. Oh, for sure, right? Like for sure, yeah. Because we know we know the virus has a seasonality, yeah. right? And and what and we and we know like the var- the variant that we're all focused on now is the Delta variant. But guess what? If people continue to not get vaccinated, then we will continue to have variants. And there's talk of boosters, right? Um, which will need to be uh, ideally tailored towards variants. But those but those boosters have to be tested, right? Uh, in in clinical trials, um, and so yeah, I'm very cautious about the. I think the summer is probably going to be fine, because the summer was actually kind of fine yep. last year, as yep. I recall, right? Absolutely. And then we had a spike in the fall, and so when the weather gets colder and people are indoors, all again, we we know we, we know, know a lot yep. about viruses in general. We know about this virus in particular. Um, we know that cold weather and dry conditions promote. Uh, virus survival. Now we're less worried about the virus on surfaces, but guess what? Cold weather and low humidity promotes virus survival in the air. And and again, we know that people being indoors, you know, is a risk factor. And so, yeah, I, I have no, I, in fact, I would go on record right now as saying that we will see uptick in cases in the fall. I, I'm, I'm convinced that we'll see an uptick. The, the question, I think the $64,000 question is how big an uptick, right? And how severe I, my, again, if I had to predict, I would say not as severe as last fall and last winter. Right. And we probably will hopefully not overrun the hospitals and their capacities, but, but boy, we need to get serious about vaccination and we need to get serious, um, about, about control, you know? And, and I, I'm going to be the, 
the more you know doomsday uh, uh, approach here. I I think that we're going to have um, you know further restrictions. Like I I, I think that restaurants are going to be closed here in North Carolina at some point this fall. Um, I think mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get to a situation and it may not be here in Raleigh. Like it, it mm-hmm. might be in, in some of our, um, some of our counties uh, or our geographic locations that where where vaccine um, uptake is like in the teens right now. And, and, and I think that that's going to be, it's going to lead to a lot of um, continued, uh, problems, uh, it, it, both public health, but economic problems. Like it's, but I, 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 am I'm, I'm a, you know, I, I just don't see how it, it vanishes for us in, and, and it, it like, but, but also like what I'm, what, what I, I hold my tongue on this every time when someone's like, I wouldn't have thought that we wouldn't do this. I was like, I would have, I did. I, we, we talked about it. We, we knew we've all been talking about it in the, in the food safety, public health world is none of this is, none of this is surprising. And it's, and it's terrible to, to like think back and be like, we, there's a lot of things that we could have done to lessen this, but, but my cynical view is especially, um, you know, just that people don't, you know, don't get it, don't see it and don't really want it. Don't really want to, um, to change. And so that just, you know, proliferates this, this issue, but it's not, it's not a surprise. None of it's a surprise to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, anyway, um, so, the I don't even know what what started me down that um, th- down that road. Uh, other than we're we're gonna have you know m- more well as we get back into the fall. I think I, it would not surprise me at all as, if we have clusters of illnesses on campus with unvaccinated students that leads us to close our dorms and send people home like that. Like you know no I I don't think that our I I don't know I don't think our community is taking that seriously. And, or or is expecting it in the same way that I am. I'm not. I'm expecting that to happen. Um. So anyway, anyway. Um. So I'm I'm full of negativity today, Don. I'm sorry. <laughs> Starting with uh, you know, Canada Day reflections and uh, uh. Well, let's let's move to something. Let's let's actually talk about other food safety things. Um, okay. Don. Uh. There. Are, uh, according to to my friends at. Um, uh, uh, apartment therapy, I think it's called, uh, the kitchen, one of the, one of the places that I know on the internet, um, there are three unsafe habits you should never practice in your kitchen. Do you want to guess what they are? Oh, let me see. Let me, let me see if I can guess what they yes, are that, before, without looking at the article. And then, and then I've also got as, as recent as last night, as I was literally turning off the light and going to bed, um, I was on the, uh, the cool ranch discord with the cool kids, oh, damn. um, and, and got some interesting uh, feedback from, uh, hot frog summer day. <laughs> I am excited. I'm excited for that. I saw that. But, so, yeah. And, and then I also really want to talk about dogs and restaurants because yep. I did a very extensive interview on that. And, and I want to, I want to get your take. Um, oh, and then, and then also we get some email listener email, um, from people that, um, wanted to like tell us stuff. And then also a couple of really cool resources I want to talk to you about. So, so I've got, I got plenty more uh, content and, we, and you have a hard out at the top of the hour. I do. So we need to be respectful of that. Um, all right. So, uh, the three common kitchen habits that spread germs. Uh, I'm going to say, I mean, well, so well, I, I, let me, oh, go ahead. yeah, let me clarify. It is three unsafe habits you should never practice in your kitchen. So I don't want you to go down too much of a could spread germs. 
but it, I mean, it is, but, but okay. that's, that's not, that's not how they, how they talk about it. Okay. Well, I, I, and I'm torn between giving you what I think is the right answer yeah. and then trying to guess what this wackadoo article is going to tell us. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to stick to what I would think is the right. And I hate these top, top three list things or it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, five, five tips for servo turbocharging your blog. Um, I, I, I think if I was going to focus on kitchen safety, I, I would, I would definitely caution people about sponges, right? Uh, I think that's source for cross-contamination. And then I would say, again, playing on that cross-contamination angle, uh, cross-contamination of from, from countertops and, and raw meat on cutting boards is important. And then because, because I, I can't limit it to three, I would say, um, refrigerator temperatures I, I don't I don't I don't know Ben I don't really don't know where to go with this mostly I just want to hear what they have to say so I can critique it you actually so I'm surprisingly it's not it's not a terrible article and you're you're pretty close so I'll, I'll, I'll read the headline or the the headers huh? for this using the same sponge to wipe down the counters and the dishes so okay. it's sponge related okay <laughs> but it's not it's yeah not exactly um, cleaning produce in a dirty sink. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Forgetting to wash your hands every time you touch raw meat. Oh, okay. That's not a bad list. It's honestly. not bad. That's it's, a pretty yeah. good list. Now, I think there's some caveats. You know, th- this again. I think the w- one thing that th- that we get to not suffer from because it's right on our, both of our t-shirts today is we get to talk about it's complicated <laughs> and depends. Um, it, you know, don't wear this t-shirt on the wrong day. <laughs> No, no. Uh, so it's, you know, the, using the same sponge to wipe down the counters and the dishes. I'm not actually worried about that because I could use the same sponge with a stop, right? Like I could, I could clean it. Um, I, I could, I, I could do something. Uh, I'm, it depends on what's happening on those counters, right? Like how much raw versus ready to eat stuff is there also matters. But let's, you know, let, let's say, uh, I will give like a a 90% check to sponges and things that you're wiping with can move pathogens around. Right. Like that's, that's yeah. And in in fact, I think we've talked about on this podcast, the system that we have in my house is that when, when a dish sponge gets downgraded to a counter sponge, we cut the corner off. Right. Because, because that's a, a irrevocable change. We tried labeling them and the label just comes off because it's a sponge, right? So, so if you want to have if you want to clarify where the sponge goes, again, we cut the corner off and then we now know it's, it's a not dish sponge. And so, uh, that's a very simple tip. I think that, um, we, we find is, is a pretty good, is a pretty good one. Yeah, no, I, I think, I don't think you have shared that with me. I've never, I, okay. I don't think we talked, yeah. that's a great, that's a really good, really good tip. In fact, anytime someone's going to ask me about like kitchen food safety, I'm going to share, I'm going to share that. I will give you credit where credit's due. Do- Dr. Don does this. And uh, we, we have, we, we don't have a sponge. I don't think I can cut the corner off the sponge that I have. It's one of those like mm. floppy. Doesn't have corners. Well, it's, a, it's kind of rounded edges. It's a, it's a okay. yeah, it's like a. It's a scouring thing. It does. If I, okay. if I cut it, it's oh. going to unravel. <laughs> it's going to unravel. Yeah. yeah. Well, so yeah. So, so then you got to color code it or yes. you got to find some other way to distinguish it. Yeah. Yeah. But well, in fact, the way that we distinguish it is that's the thing that you, that we do on the counter and in the sink. Oh, that only yep. that kind yep. of sponge is a counter sponge. Yeah. Yep. It makes yep. sense. 
Um, so next one was uh, cleaning produce in a dirty sink. This uh, comes to us uh, from Dr. Charles Gerba, uh, a friend of the show. I'm, I'm familiar with him. He's familiar with his work. He shared with food and wine. Did, did you know there's more E. coli in a kitchen sink <laughs> than in a toilet after you flush it? <laughs> pretty gross, right? Uh, <laughs> so, pretty gross. I, I'm sure he published on that. So here's here here's the thing. And and I'm gonna I'm actually gonna take a little bit of issue with this from some of the work that we did. So so if we read the rest of this, it's um, needless to say, if you've been practicing placing produce directly in your kitchen sink to wash it off, you should stop. I agree with that. I and we yeah. did with, with the the chicken washing study that we did. If you if you are often rinsing meat or handling meat in chicken sinks, the basins will become contaminated, and we don't clean and sanitize them very often. I say we right. society doesn't. We don't like based on what what we've what what we've asked people about you know thousands of people uh, on on surveys and hundreds of people in observations it's not something that that is often paid attention to so I agree with this but washing produce inside a colander that you can more effectively clean and sanitize between uses may reduce the risk a little bit but we demonstrated a bunch of bounce from even with mm. colander in or some sort of like plate. It, it's it, it, if you're going to use running water, you can drive pathogens from that ba basin into interesting. Yeah. It, through into the colander. So, so yeah. I would say, don't do that. Just clean and sanitize it. Don't, don't, don't worry about a call. Don't have that fail safe of a colander. Oh, just clean and sanitize your sink. Yeah. Yeah. Like do that. Yeah. That, what, that takes what, Yeah. What about if your kitchen is ripped out and you walk to the upstairs bathroom to rinse your produce? <laughs> Uh, I, I, it sounds like uh, Dr. Uh, Charles Gerber would say you should probably rinse it in your toilet because there's less uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's less there's less E. coli there than if you did it just in the kitchen sink. So <laughs> is that? I think that's what he's saying. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But, well, I mean, clean and sanitize your bathroom sink. Uh, and then uh, and then the last one here. Yeah. Is honestly, what what I do is so typically. It, we don't rinse the baby carrots. We don't rinse the, the, the packaged lettuce. We do rinse the tomatoes and the uh, peppers. And, and we don't we don't rinse the cucumber because it's a it's a wrapped cucumber. And what I'll do is I'll just hold the hold it in my hand and then run my hand under the water. Um, so maybe there's some bounce back from the sink onto my hand and maybe to the produce. But I'm OK with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then the last one was on hand washing. Uh, now, FDA points out you should wash your hands after every single instance of touching red meat, no matter how brief. Ah, it's a little uh, oversimplification, well, right? And, and I'm sure they don't. FDA doesn't say red meat. I think that probably should be say raw meat. <laughs> no, just red meats. It says, yeah, yeah. <laughs> chicken's fine. Yeah, yeah, chicken don't. Yeah, no matter how. Brief. But I mean, it's just an over, oversimplification, right? Like if I'm only dealing with raw things, I don't have to wash my hands afterwards. It's it's when I leave touching my my raw meats, not every yes, single instance. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, uh, that means 20 seconds under warm, soapy water, no exceptions. Well, we, we've got a whole other podcast where we talk about that. Uh, <laughs> you know, risky or not with uh, you know warm water, 20 seconds, all that kind of stuff. In fact, we haven't done that. We should do that in an upcoming episode. Um, we, well, we did the FDA um, not following the FDA's guidance, food code yeah. guidance. So I think we did. Yeah. So. Um, anyway, yeah, good, in, interesting. What what was cool about this was we got a message in our super secret chat from uh, a friend of the show saying, I do all three of these things. Uh, and it's true because if you, I think I do all three of these things as well with caveats of how I manage them. So, um, but yeah, and good to see that there's a, 
um, you know, food safety in, in apartment therapy. Uh, and, and people are talking about it. So yeah. I, I want to talk about dogs and restaurants next. Do you okay, want to talk cool. about dogs and restaurants now? Sure. Yeah, sure. Okay. So I see that you got, um, an email, uh, from, uh, well, can I read this? Cause I think this is really, yeah. yeah. It came to you, not directly, but it came to you from uh, someone who uh, on your campus who who uh, forwarded this to you. But it, the, yeah, she's, she's the undergraduate program director, a very nice lady, lady um, named Chitra Ponasami. And I have no idea why this person emailed her. Uh, it, it, she doesn't do anything related to food safety. So I'm, except, I mean, like I said, she's our undergraduate program coordinator or pro- program director. Um, you would have thought that he might have thought to email the graduate program director, which incidentally would have been me. But anyway, Chitra's very good about knowing who needs to talk to me and sending them my way. Perfect. Well, the the original uh, message that Chitra got was, um, I'm on the editorial team at the Farmer's Dog, which are words <laughs> that are amazing. Um, we are a dog care company in New York making fresh food for dogs. I'm working on an article for our Digest website about dining out safely with a dog and would love to speak to you about your food-safety considerations to keep in mind when bringing a dog to a restaurant's outdoor seating area. Does this sound like something that might interest you? So so anyway, you you received it. Um, and, uh, and, and got, you know, there was a bunch, bunch of questions. So I'll read the questions and then you go, go sort of through your answers and I'll, I'll kind of, you know, sure. jump in. So the questions are, are there special precautions diners should take when bringing their dogs to dine out that they might overlook? Um, many people live with dogs and that includes having them around their food prep, uh, kitchen dining areas. Most people allow their dogs to lick them. Most dogs are vaccinated. Uh, etc. And vaccinated for what is another question. Uh, why are restaurants different? What is really the harm in having dogs in restaurants? How would you differentiate between the potential benefits and drawbacks of dogs on a patio, in a dining room, or in an extreme case, in the kitchen itself? Uh, number three, what could dogs reasonably pass to humans other that, uh, that other humans couldn't? Could those pathogens been, be dealt with by the dishwashing process? If a dog were to touch or lick a plate or cup, what types of pathogens, if any, might they pass on to humans? Are these pathogens unique hazards presented by dogs? Or would humans also uh, be able to catch them from unwashed plates, uh, silverware used by other humans? What types of steps, these are great questions, by the way. What types of steps do specifically designed dog-friendly cafes take that allow them to have dogs inside? Some countries have a reputation of being more lax about dogs being permitted inside of restaurants. For example, here's a New York Times uh, link to a restaurant restaurants in, in France uh, where you should take your dogs. Uh, anecdotally, it seems as if things are loosening up here to some degree. That is, we're seeing more dogs in more places like stores and restaurants. Do you think we're moving towards looser regulations overall? And how would you feel about such a thing? So those all come from uh, content uh, editorial team and content editor uh, John at The Farmer's Dog. So, yeah. So you did you did an awesome job on on jumping into this and and i yeah i i think these are you know, you're i'd like to hear uh, more about your answers yeah sure so first first comment is um 
John asks really good questions. Um, John is not very good at numbering his questions because he, ha he has five bullet points, five numbers, one, two, three, four, five. But some of those contain multiple questions. <laughs> so, right. And, and, and so I've, I've broken them out question by question. Um, special precautions. Um, honestly, the biggest precaution that I would consider is that one of my dogs is a nutcase and I wouldn't bring him because he would attack people or other dogs. <laughs> Okay, so so that's my first concern about bringing my pain in the ass dogs anywhere. Um, unlike Stanley, who's a sweetheart. Um, right. But we'll we'll howl if he's not given food off of someone's <laughs> uh, table. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but so so let's let's set let's set uh, rescue dogs and reactive dogs aside um, and just focus on microbiology. I think the first thing I would want to consider is what's the health status of my dog, right? Do they have vomiting? Do they have diarrhea? Just like if a person was sick with vomiting or diarrhea, I might want them to not come to a restaurant. And so, uh, so so if a dog is vomiting or has diarrhea, that's an indication that they're sick. Doesn't mean that they you know if they don't have those symptoms, they're not sick. But and then also uh, as we know from human vomit and diarrhea. Area, these are difficult to clean up and might promote the spread of, of germs. And so, so first, first thing to consider is, you know, are, are your dogs sick, right? Um, and then next question, uh, people live with dogs, uh, people allow their own dogs to lick them, dogs are vaccinated, you know, against rabies, yes. Uh, why are restaurants different? Um, and I, I think it's a matter of personal choice, right? If I am in my own home and I'm letting my dog do whatever my dog does, that's fine. But if I now take my dog out into the world or I'm out in the world and someone else has a dog there, I, that's, I didn't sign up for that risk, right? right I signed right. up to go to a restaurant. I didn't sign up to have dinner with your dog, right? <laughs> and so that, um, uh, I'm going to capture that. Yeah, good uh, job. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And so, uh, and so let's see. So, uh, and then what's really the harm in having dogs in restaurants? How would you differentiate the potential benefits? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure there's bad, I mean, the benefits are that dogs are wonderful. <laughs> uh, there's not any health benefits. I mean, maybe there's some, yeah, maybe if you have high blood pressure or something. I, 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 well, speaking from experience, I don't know. I, <laughs> I got a dog um, yeah, and had high um, blood pressure. Uh, yeah, so I, I would say, yeah, yeah, a silent killer. Silent killer. Um, uh, so I, I think there's a difference between indoors and outdoors, right? So if I had to rank the risk, I would say dogs on the patio, lowest risk. Dogs inside the restaurant, higher risk, and dogs in the kitchen, highest risk. Um, and and you know, and so that that's that i mean i don't i don't really i don't know how to get more specific than that yep. except to say like that that's the way that i would rank that um now what could dogs reasonably pass on to humans that other humans couldn't and i say, i think that you know so that's a good question i think it's it's a little bit of an unfair question because probably people are going to do a better job of not making other people sick compared to dogs right yes. so yeah uh, and then, and then again, uh, thanks thanks to the CDC, they have a great uh, website here, uh, healthypets.pets.dogs uh, on CDC website. And if you click on the tab on diseases, this was great. Like I start, I started with Google Scholar, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so complicated. Uh, let me see what the CDC has to say. And CDC does a great job of laying out all of the things, all the things that dogs can get sick from. Some like rabies are not relevant necessarily to food, but but a num many of them, uh, Salmonella, Campylobacter, etc., are. And so I think that's really that's super important. And and thanks to the CDC for doing that. Um, 
could the pathogens be dealt with by the dishwashing process? And here, I think John has a point, but I think he misses the bigger picture, right? Like, yes, do, do, if, if a dog licks a plate and that plate goes through an automatic dishwashing machine, that is going to control any pathogens from that the dog's tongue put on the plate. But that doesn't that, that you know, you're not putting the dog through the dishwasher, right? I mean, there's the dogs are pooping, uh, they're vomiting, they're potentially even if they don't have diarrhea, they could potentially be shedding um, fecal pathogens. Um, and, and, and yes, that's going to be taken care of on the dishes. But what if it gets onto a food? What if it gets onto some, what if, what if the dog is shedding Campylobacter? I didn't think about this, but what if the dog is shedding Campylobacter, the chef bends down to pat the dog, you know, because it's a good dog. Well, let's say, let's say the dogs have Campylobacter on their butt and they lick their butt. And then the, the, the chef bends down and pets the dog on the head. And then the dog licks the chef's hand and, and the chef goes to handle food with that hand, right? I mean, so there are, yeah. there are scenarios there that don't relate to specifically to dishes, right? Um, and then again, John continues his focus on dishes. If a dog were to lick it, what pathogens could they pass on? Are these unique to dogs? Again, it's really about, it's really, take a look at that CDC list, right? That's where you're gonna get the answers to those questions. Um, his next question, I don't have an answer to what types of steps do specially designed dog friendly cafes take that allow them to have dogs inside i'm not sure that they do my answer to john to john was i'm not an expert okay i'm not sure that dog friendly cafes do take any of those special steps um we'll you know we'll see if you have uh, some feedback on that um yep so, uh, some countries have a reputation about being more lax. This is true. Uh, and he cites a New York Times uh, webpage that links to France, uh, which we will uh, we will get into the show notes here. Um, he says anecdotally, it seems like thing, if things if things are loosening up to some degree, specifically not talking about COVID, but about about dogs in restaurants um you know what uh what does that what does that mean uh we're seeing dogs in places like stores and restaurants and yeah and so certainly i we see i see dogs all the time uh at the dog food the pet food store right um again i don't take my dog at least the one dog because he's reactive and he's a pain in the butt and he can't be around other dogs um but yeah i don't have a problem with walking into the local pet food store and seeing dogs in there that's 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 fine um uh you know, uh, <laughs> I did. I did tell a little story. So, the best, the best arugula salad I've ever had in my life uh, was a cafe in Amsterdam, uh, and there was a cat in the cafe. I don't think the salad was really good because of the cat, um, but <laughs> but I do remember that there was a cat and there was a very good arugula salad. And it turns out the arugula they have in Europe is different than our arugula, which is probably why the salad was better. Um, all right. Are we moving towards looser regulations overall? I don't have a good sense about that. I'm certainly, it's something that we're talking about more and people have pets be a more central part of their lives. Um, I'm not sure, I don't, I haven't seen, I, I guess I would want to see some hard data about that. Um, and then how, to, how would I feel about that? I, I, that's fine. I'm, I'm still not super happy about having dogs in a kitchen, a restaurant kitchen or dogs inside a restaurant. In general, I don't have a problem with dogs on a patio. But again, I would want the restaurant to have a system in place for dealing with, just like they would hopefully have a system in place for dealing with human vomit and diarrhea, they should also have a system in place for dog vomit and dog diarrhea. Um, 
And then finally, um, I link to our Risky or Not episode about a dog uh, licking your plate. And uh, John very kindly agreed to uh, link to the podcast in uh, in the article when it gets posted. And that's that was very nice of him. So that's uh, and that's my take. Yeah. So and uh, I think that's I think that's awesome. This comes up um, over and over again. I, I one of the one of the first like extension things that I that I dealt with um, here in, in North Carolina like 13 years ago, 12 years ago, was um, about uh, dogs on patios in certain counties and allowances. And we talked wa- about this on the show. We yeah. did, yeah. And and so it was like th- this. I I love this. I love this topic, right? Because at at the heart of it. It's it's almost like, you know, when you're when you're in doing an expert witness, um, uh, you know, case, right? It, it you you can kind of play both sides of this, right? You can kind of say, well, we don't have a lot of illnesses, and and or any illnesses directed to this. Um, you know, there there are ways that you can do this in a in a you know in a safe way, or you can kind of play the other side and say, well, there are public health risks, and and here are you know, let's talk about pet food, um, and and salmonella just at a higher um. Uh, amount than we would see in in human food um, o- you know over time and that could lead to illnesses in dogs and you're now introducing that into your um, into your facility there's I think there's lots of different nuances here I really like the way that you you handled the answers um to, to me it's it's kind of like if, if you want to bring a dog like I I really like that that risk continuum if you want to bring a dog to a restaurant, Let's start with outside, right? Let's keep let's keep the dogs sort of in in areas that where if there is a vomit or diarrheal event that I can hose it down, which I can't really do inside of my restaurant very easily. And if we start bringing them inside, now that's a higher risk. And certainly, once I get them into the into the kitchen, um, the move the potential for movement of pathogens around is is much higher. And and I think you you kind of like captured this. It's I can talk to people and say, well, I can talk to dogs too, but I can I can talk to to people and say, here are the things that I expect you to do to manage pathogens in my system. I can't really have that same conversation with the dog. And well, you could, but the dog, you know, yeah. it's all blah blah ginger. Yeah, yeah, and everything's you know, everything's gray that they see. They they can't, yeah. Um so so that it, it's it, it and uh, the to me if I'm a if I'm a business, the risk benefit it, on on all dogs lands on risk. If I start to see a benefit, and and this is where I think where it came up, where I got involved was, we would like to expand our ability to offer to our patrons to sit outside on our patio, um, and and have you know have their dog there. Um, now now I, it's it's extra things for me to manage, but it certainly shouldn't be something that I can't do from a regulatory standpoint um, because it, it's, it, 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 if I can manage it, then, then let me manage it, I guess, is the, the way that, um, that, that I approach that. So, so these are, these are good, but I, I think, you know, the, the thing that you, you talked about, I, I agree that one question is, is really tough. Like, is there anything special about dogs that people can't, Give and it's you know if we look at the pathogens that we would be concerned about. Campylobacter you mentioned, Salmonella would be would be something else that I would put on my list. No, people can also transmit Campylobacter and Salmonella, but there's not a lot of like people petting. Unless <laughs> it's like not a restaurant I want to go to, uh, um, but you know like where where there might be 
salmonella or campylobacter on the coat of a dog and then hands not hand washing we just don't we don't interact with people the same way that we do dogs and i think that that it's not about is it a different pathogen it's do we do we interact with people differently with dogs and we do right like like that that dogs have the potential to leave behind um you know little nuggets of of pathogens um and and also that we we spend a lot of time petting them uh and and they may have rolled in something or it's it's le- it's le- as um you know as as I reason this out as I talk about it it's it's, it's not too different uh from shaking someone's hand who may have norovirus on their hands but at least with hand washing, we have a way to talk to people and say, "Hey, you should wash your hands." Kind of, kind of situation. I don't, I don't look at dogs in restaurants as the riskiest thing um, that that I would be worried about. Um, but, I, but I also wouldn't want to force a, a, a restaurant into accepting a dog that's not a service dog. Like I think, and I think that's also really important. We're not, we're not right. talking about service dogs here. We're talking about recreational dogs, whatever, whatever a non-service <laughs> dog is, uh, companion dogs, um, that, uh, that, 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 and, and having a, a situation where now someone's introducing something into my, into my system that I now have to control in a different way. So yeah, good. I mean, good answers, and I, I look forward to to my my weekly reading of uh, the Farmer's Dogs Digest, um, to see to see this up there. Um, do you want to talk about um the uh, the Discord uh, conversation? Because I, I do. Yeah, I do. Hot, hot frog summer day. <laughs> so so this was a conversation that I entered into last night. Um, somebody, somebody had tagged me on the discord about something else. And then, um, I, I, I answered that question, uh, and then, uh, they, they got me, they got me, uh, the discorders got me and I'm always happy to talk with them. I feel, I feel bad that I can't spend more time with them. Um, there was somebody who said, who made a comment, oh, he's already gone. And, uh, and I came back and I said, I'm not gone. Actually, I posted a little wind, uh, wind, wind emoji, but, um, all right. So, so this is a, it's a good question. Okay. And I want to get your take on it. Um, also, Dr. Don, how do you feel about the fact that most states cottage food laws only use like white people's white people, white PPL, white, white people, farmers, market foods as examples and thus exclude the ability for many ethnic food vendors to start small businesses. Sorry, but I've been thinking about this a lot. And of course, I shared that I live in New Jersey, which is the last state um, to not legalize cottage foods. But it's a great question. And, and they go on to say, I run a POC oriented farmers market law. So that's why it's relevant. Um, yeah. So I, and I and I and I told them that we would add this to the discussion list. So so what are what are your thoughts? And they and they and they go on to talk more about like the kind of product that they want to make, which is a a chili oil, which which we've oh. had as a potential topic on risky or not to talk about a leaky chili oil that's ordered over the internet. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So um, my 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 initial reaction is this is. I, I'm, I, and the, of of course, I've never really thought of it in that in that context, yeah. and and that you know, right there in, in lies the the you know the problem, and um, and I you know something that that's been really important 
um, for for my program over the last uh, year or so to talk about is how can we explicitly think about food safety questions that are um, disproportionately or food safety challenges or barriers are disproportionately applied to uh, to people of color. And um, so so often I think that there's a um, an ease into the system for um, white food manufacturers or, or food retailers that, that this isn't even something that that has been on on my radar. And so I two two things come to mind. One is like I want to know more about what the barriers are and where those barriers are for hot frog summer. And two, I I want to actually connect with hot frog summer about this to understand more and how we could create maybe a project across uh, you know multi states that are that's specific to um, food communities small businesses for uh, people of color that that we could we could better understand what what these barriers are whether it's perception because we we talked a little bit about this um, it, uh, on um, on this podcast but they're there and, and I can't remember where else maybe we did did we do a risky or not episode on like ethnic restaurants risky or not or something like we we've, we've been asked about this question maybe we did it on this on this uh, podcast but that there's like uh, a, an an explicit bias in inspection towards um you know particularly asian restaurants around um in, you know inspection scores and and it's not because the practices uh, are are all that different but but it's it's maybe a, a lack of understanding or or or, or interest in in having um the, those restaurants perform as as well as non-ethnic restaurants so i like i think there's a research question here i think there's um knowing knowing more about this situation can help us work with um local health departments or state regulators who are who are uh, managing cottage food laws and but but i i think it's not a the, the way that I would have approached this conversation three or four years ago would have been, yeah, we need to think about this. Now I'm more about we we need to think specifically about the barriers to, um, you know, to food manufacturers and businesses and farmers markets that are that are driven by people of color. So I so I, I kind of want to like I want to explore this more and and maybe see what kind of community there is out there that hot frog hot frog summer is part of. So we we as food safety folks can do a better job. Uh, uh, helping this move this forward. So I don't know if that's what, yeah. you, what you thought uh, or thought I was yeah. going to say. Well, so, yeah. so one brief digression, then we'll come back to this. So the original question that, that brought me to the Discord was, uh, Dr. Don, if I boil a Parmesan cheese rind in pasta water to add flavor, could I fish it out and stick it in the fridge or freezer to use later? And and my answer was yes, of course. But then I thought, didn't we do an episode or at some point on one of the podcasts, didn't we talk about like cooking food inside a Parmesan bowl? We Does did. That ring yeah. any bells with you? I couldn't find it, but we did. Anyway. We did. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we did it on. I, looked, or not I looked and looked, and I couldn't find it, Moby, because probably looking for the wrong the wrong keyword. But let me come back to what um, what they said. So, um, I would like to make and sell chili crisp style hot sauce, which seems to be a relatively low risk item, but it's not approved by my local health department because there's no precedent. And my answer, my response is the first step would be to to get pH and water activity measurements. Um, And then they respond, uh, they, the health department, considers it to be closest to garlic and oil, which is the closest thing they have listed in the law. So it was denied while 
Um, and so, and I lost it. Um, yeah. And so, so I'm again, I mean, it's the, the, the these, yeah, it's not, it's analogous to garlic and oil, but it's not the same because no. the chilies are dried. And so I've got to think it's a, it's quite a low risk. And again, I would start with some pH and water activity measurements with, without, without like sort of compromising, um, some, some help that I've given to a local entrepreneur. I've, I answered this question here, like, over, oh, wow. over the last year. And, and it was for, um, a, a local restaurateur who, um, was, was really interested in diversifying, um, what they were offering. Um, and, uh, dealing with pandemic, they, they had investigated how can we take something that we sell at our restaurant as part of our dish or we, we include it, we make it in our restaurant as part of our dish, but then package it and sell it to, to people. And, and so I, I didn't know much about chili crisp until I engaged in this. And this is probably back last, last fall and, and ran into exactly what hot frog summer said that, um, that the, the, our, our local health department and, and here's, this is the, this is the worst part about this, Don. Um, the local health department whom, whom I love and the state regulators mm. also whom I love said to the, the operator, we don't know what to do with this. And then the operator said, Hey, I've been talking to Ben Chapman about this. Then the both regulators said, Oh, okay, great. Well, whatever he says, that will be fine. And <laughs> that sounds great, right? Like, but that's not very sustainable. That doesn't help hot frogs summer. That doesn't help no. others. Like that's not, that's totally like, and, and I don't say that in a, in a way to be, um, you know, to, to not, to not be humble about it. It's, it's like, yeah, we over, over the last whatever years, I build a lot of credibility because I work on these questions and my local folks know about it and we're, we engage all the time. But if someone else doesn't have some, a connection like me, then, then they're kind of stuck. So, so anyway, what I did was we went through the ingredients, the, the chili crisp that, um, the, and it's not quite chili crisp. It's a little bit different, but it's a, it's a tempered spice, which is where, where, where chili crisp kind of, kind of comes. And, um, the, the the ingredients had a lot of stuff that I was familiar with and a lot of stuff that I wasn't. So we ordered a bunch, asked some questions of the supplier, wanted to know about particularly water activity, and then brought a bunch of those in so we could do a series of water activity measurements on um, different batches of of what they're you know they were trying to to use for for the ingredients, and then I just shared all that data with the regulators, and they're like, okay, great, but it but that work that I that I did, so I I did that, and you do that kind of stuff, and many others who are in extension do that when someone finds us, when they know this is right. a place to go, and and we I, I would say have don't probably do a great job reaching out to the um, to our uh, you know POC communities uh, around this uh, ability for someone at a state university at a land grant university to do, to do something like this. Um, so that that's the the first thing. But you know, it, I I think that I think that there's a there's space here for us to also as food safety professionals who have this on our radar to to develop 
resources and educational material for our regulators to say, here are the types of things that you might encounter. And that's kind of what we do with the variance um, uh, class that, that we put on that you attended when we were in um, Washington State a few years ago that we, we do you know once or twice a month now virtually. It's part of it is, is engaging in that, in that conversation and saying, look, you can't just say no to stuff because you're not familiar with it. And we don't have precedent for it. Like you actually have to think someone's got to step back and think about what's the science behind this. Now that, that, that all being said, local health departments are under so much stress and hitting this in the midst of a mm. pandemic is adding additional stress. I get, I get all that, but we can't just run away from it because we're, we're too busy. And it, it makes, I don't know. It makes me sad that, um, that hot frog summer is encountering this and doesn't have a food safety advocate to help, to help them through this. So we right. should be and that. We, and we don't know necessarily. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so I just put a message on the discord that they should, uh, they should reach out to you. So, yeah. Yeah. I and, wanna... and said that you had specifically answered the question. So, and I put a link to your webpage, which has all your contact details. Oh, so. well, thank you. And I, and, and I, it's bigger than this, right? Like to me, we, right. We, th- this is, you know, th- this is the kind of conversation we need to be having at IAFP um, or at AFTO or, at NEHA, you know, specifically here in the U.S. with this with this issue, we're we're just um, we we keep marginalizing marginalized populations, and, and so yeah. Anyway, that's the theme of the day today, I think, right? <sighs> yeah, no, good good one, good one to to begin and 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 sort of end on. So I do I do have a couple more things to very quickly talk about. Um, so I love it when we get emails from people. Uh, this one is, you can read my message, but not my name. Uh, came across your website. Uh, we recently published an article on cooking guide to ribeye steaks, and it might be something that your readers might find useful, Ben. So any any of the readers of our podcast uh, might find this useful. Um, they think it might make a great addition to our post here, and they link to a tag, which is every time that we have talked about the television show, The Wild. So, so apparently something about the wire is relevant to ribeye steak. So thank you. Uh, don't mention my name, but I think we're going to pass on that because our, I think our readers probably don't come to our discussions on the wire to read about ribeye steaks. Um, it's so a hub that. though, Don. Um, Do you know, like this isn't just a, it's not a website anymore. It's not a node. It's called oh, the ribeye. Okay. It's a ribeye hub. Okay. Um, so, and the other thing I, I want to talk to you about is something called uh, "Come and Bake It." Have you have you ever heard of this resource? No. So this, I came across. I was looking for information on. Oh, what was I looking for information on? Oh, um, what the heck was it? I'll think of it here. Oh, it was. Um, oh, it was. A, it was a listener question for risky or not. And it was about buttercream frosting, and I was like, "Well, it really." And it was, and I ended up saying it probably was risky because they were mixing buttercream frosting with something else. But I went and looked, looking for pH and water activity on buttercream frosting, and I came across a really interesting website huh. called TexasCottageFoodLaw.com, and I'm not. I'm not, I don't, I don't think this is from the state of Texas, okay? This is from somebody who wants to help people in Texas make cottage foods. And they have two cookbooks 
They're they're ten ninety nine each or two for twenty dollars. And I bought them because what they did was they went and they they made some recipes of common things like frostings and fillings, right? Common things that would that could theoretically be sold under Texas cottage food law. And they made these resources. And what they are are cookbooks, but the cookbooks talk about uh, table B from the food code, uh, PHF non uh, uh, um, um, non TCS and TCS foods, and they have a bunch of recipes which they went and had tested, and they have PHM water activity. So traditional cream cheese frosting, pH four point eight five, water activity zero point eight three. If you look it up on table B, it's non TCS. And so what that means is if you want to sell traditional cream cheese frosting or use traditional cream cheese frosting on your cookies that you're selling in Texas as a cottage food, you know you're okay as long as you follow this recipe exactly. I just thought this – I was like, you know what? I got 20 bucks. I could spend 20 bucks and get this. It didn't really answer – it sort of answered my question. uh, But – and it's it's not – it's not – great because you you have to follow the recipe exactly but what a wonderful resource that somebody just decided to go and do yeah this is awesome i hadn't i was not aware if you um uh at at the the last uh page about the author it's it's written by an individual kelly masters kelly masters is a private citizen Mm -hmm. and home baker who is responsible for the filing of the first texas cottage food bill in 2009 Ah, yeah Okay. Um, and so, uh, Ms. Masters, uh, when the bill in 2009 died, Ms. Masters redoubled her efforts starting the Texas Baker's Bill Facebook page in 2010 and working tirelessly towards the ultimate passage of SB 81 in 2011 and HB 970 in 2013. She has spent countless hours mustering grassroots and media support, working with legislators and special interest groups to ensure the passage of the cottage food law and has probably delivered more homemade cookies and candy to the state capitol <laughs> than any person in history. Um, and, and so I, this is, it's, what's really cool about this is on every, um, every, every recipe, they include that, that chart on where this lies. Like they don't yep. just say this is yep. a non TCS food, but here's where it is here. It's less than 0.88 greater than uh, you know uh, water activity greater than five, um, uh, uh, uh pH. So non pH, uh, non TCS food. Cause they're using sort of the old, uh, old stuff, um, on this. It's really, really, really cool. I've not seen this. This is awesome. Yeah, and I, I was like, I was like, well, let me let me gamble twenty bucks. I think it's a twenty bucks well spent. I mean, if yeah. nothing else, it's just a great resource to have like in your back pocket if you ever want to look up because it, it does and it doesn't. Not everything passes, right? There are there are some things that are TCS and some that are not TCS. Yep. And I just think it's this would be a really interesting. You could actually take the data from this resource and and write a really interesting article on it. Just to kind of, I would I would even because it's got the actual raw data. I would actually start to like maybe even make some plots of these, you know, and and do and do and this this kind of actually fits nicely with our article that we have yet to write on those jams and jellies we tested in my lab, right? Right, right. Um, yeah. So oh, yeah, it's good. really, it's just really interesting. And you could begin to do some recipe analysis. I mean, there's more you could do with this. And they, they I mean, and again, this, they talk about it on the website, like this is, this is literally um, thousands of dollars of laboratory yep. tests, um, which is, which is quite, uh, you know, it's quite a nice, well worth the 20 bucks in yeah. my opinion, if, if you're into this kind of thing. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Kudos to Kelly Masters and uh, for, for driving this is very cool. Yeah. Uh, what was you, we, we got, we got six minutes. What was your, what was, oh. you said there was one more thing that you were, or was that it? 
That was it. We, we covered oh, we're good. Yeah, yeah. Because it was the ribeye, ribeye wire hub. Yep. Um, good. Well, hey, uh, I, this, I think that was a show. Uh, thanks for, for talking, uh, Don. Um, uh, as, as always, I enjoy, um, I enjoy my time with you and we, we, we are back on a normal sort of schedule. So hopefully I won't sit on editing this uh, podcast for two weeks and get it out. Uh, so the listeners can hear about it and go get their, uh, food safety talk t-shirts and be part of our food safety talk community. Um, so anyway, uh, it was good. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, I feel like I'm back in the groove. Those last few weeks were it was oh, a little intense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm 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 good. And you know, one you know, if 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 it all like shakes out and I'm I'm like successful in my department head process, um, this is one of the things I talk to a few folks about. Like I I'm not I the my 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 foothold in food safety will include podcasting. And, uh, Good. yeah, yeah. And, and they're like, absolutely. Of course. Like this is, this is so, so yeah, there, I mean, clearly you're going to have to give th- some things up and then yeah. hopefully there will be some things that you don't give up. And I would, that would be great if the podcast would be one of the things that you don't give no, up. No, this is, this is, this is the, th- this will be the last bastion of things I give up. This would be, <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Okay. So what does, I would love to record the week of the 12th if we could. Mm-hmm. And something like I'm, it looks like I'm teaching a variance course again on the 15th. So that one, okay. two weeks today is probably out, but I could certainly do the morning of the 16th. And when do you travel to Phoenix? Not until the 17th. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so we could do we could do uh, nine a.m. or ten a.m. on the sixteenth. Yes, yeah. As long as we're done by one, that's perfect. Yep, I got to be done by one too. Cool. Okay. Yep. Let's do that. So nine. Yeah, nine's great. Okay. And then that gives. Um, yeah. And then I'm the so and then I'm going to be I'm going to be gone two weeks because I'm going to go to Phoenix. Um, we might want to record the like one of the days I'm I'm back. 
Uh, but then I'm going on vacation. We're going to. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Um, we're we're going to uh, Tennessee and Arkansas. We're going to Bentonville, Arkansas for. Um, oh, for. For for, for vacation. Or- no, no. Um, oh. What's what's amazing is we are going. Uh, yeah, we're we're going to mountain bike because apparently, oh uh, yeah, the Walton family that the from the Walmart uh, they put in millions of dollars to make all these mountain bike trails around Bentonville, and my children have found YouTube videos about it, um, and they love oh, it. Oh wow, yeah, cool. Um, so anyway, we're yeah. So I'm, but uh, we can deal with that uh, you know, soon. Um, okay, but yeah, we're good on the sixteenth. Cool. Okay, and. Uh, if you drop the notes in, I've got a gap of time this afternoon that I'm going to try and edit and put this up. Um, so we are all caught up, even though I just put cool. one out. But let's let's get it up and do it. Yep. Cool. Sounds good. Awesome. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.